future on a hell of a past Looks like tomorrow is a coming on fast Ain't complaining about what I've got Seen many times but who has not Silvio, silver and gold Won't buy back the beat of a heart grown cold Silvio, I gotta go Find out something only dead man now Hello everyone, this is uh, Michael Volkoff and you're here for episode 217 of Corruption, Crime and Compliance. Our episode today is a look at uh, the growing trend of uh, board member accountability and liability Um, and glad you could make it. Uh, Before we get started on this uh, interesting topic, how about a word from our sponsor, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding and how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Okay, let's talk about the, uh, the increasing trend here of uh, board accountability. And this gets down to uh, the interesting issue is called the Caremark uh, standard. It actually, technically, it's Caremark in a case called Ritter uh, in the Delaware Chancery Court. And uh, basically, um, Derivative, share, derivative suits can be brought under the Caremark standard against corporate board members individually who fail to exercise proper oversight and monitoring of compliance programs. Uh, the Delaware Chancery Court, and I've written about this on my blog a lot, uh, has been um, basically applying a more sort of stringent uh, standard of expectations Um and the Caremark standard itself hasn't changed, but in applying the Caremark standard uh, to reject motions to dismiss at the preliminary stage of a lawsuit, 
uh, it's allowing, the court is allowing cases to proceed to discovery and litigation, which means ultimately greater pressure to settle and to pay off these uh, claims. Um, and the risks for corporate board members are definitely increasing, and the Delaware court is clearly sending a message. Board members have to attend to compliance programs and relevant risks or face uh, the possibility of personal liability. Now, of course, that's all um, you know, covered by insurance, but nonetheless, it is something that has to be taken into account. So in the past, Delaware courts and others courts usually dismissed uh, shareholder liability actions against boards and individual members uh, relying on the Caremark and the Stone v. Ritter um, uh, case lines. And under those standards, the directors have a duty to, quote, unquote, exercise oversight and to monitor the corporation's operational viability, legal compliance, and financial performance. Now, the duty to monitor uh, is narrow. Liability attaches when the board, quote, utterly fails to implement any reporting or information system or controls, close quote, or if quote, having implemented such a system or controls, consciously fails to monitor or oversee its operations. So they have to put in a program, they have to have some set of controls, and they have to oversee it. They can't just ignore it. Um, and uh, if they do that, uh, obviously then uh, the courts will deny the motion to dismiss right up front uh, in, the, uh, in the preliminary stage of this litigation. So starting uh, really with, it's called the Marchand case involving Bluebell ice cream and listeria contamination, uh, which resulted in the death of several consumers, the Delaware courts uh, began cutting this standard back, and really the focus was in sort of safety concept con uh, concerns and risks that obviously occurred when Bluebell's ice cream uh, and the listeria contamination resulted in the death of innocent, uh, innocent consumers. Um, and uh, I've written and spoken about the Marchand case. It's uh, very well known. It was a situation where the board had really no safety committee, no food safety sort of perspective, no food safety committee at the board level. And when the scandal started to unravel, uh, they were not really, uh, the board was not attentive, didn't even hold a meeting uh, with, to examine these uh, types of risks. Uh, after there were reports of contamination, there were concerns expressed by the FDA, and even in contamination type situations. So these cases have been going on uh, for a while, but we're seeing the first sort of application of Caremark is in these safety types of contexts. Um, and we, uh, you know, you can look back before we get to the Boeing case, which I've written a lot about and is sort of a textbook example of horrible facts uh, resulting in a really troublesome decision that ed ended up in, you know, a multi-million dollar uh, settlement. Um, as when the uh, decision was, uh, the motion to dismiss was uh, denied. But there were some other cases along the way, and let me just talk about a few of them. Hughes v. Hugh, which was a case where the audit committee had failed to conduct oversight of financial reporting 
and that resulted in a three-year restatement of their financial reports. Um, similarly, we had uh, another case called Teamsters Local 443 v. Chow, C-H-O-U, where there was a board member's failure to conduct oversight of an acquired company resulting in contamination of cancer medication in syringes. Again, there was, what's interesting is these were deny, these were dis, motions to deny the, I mean, decisions to deny the motions to dismiss. And they, one involved financial, which was unusual for it to involve just a sort of financial risks, as opposed to here in the Teamsters local case that was against the drug company and there was concern about uh, the contamination of this cancer medication. Another uh, one which we're going to talk about a little bit more on the facts is Intermarketing Group U.S. versus Plains All-American Pipeline where the board members made no good faith effort to implement a board level pipeline integrity reporting system. A couple of other cases I just wanted to mention, we're going to get back to the inter-American one, was the Clovis uh, Oncology case. And this was a case where Clovis Oncology had no drugs to market but was developing a lung cancer drug. The clinical trials uh, involving Clovis incorporated a well-known protocol. And during the clinical trial, Clovis deviated from the protocol by improperly calculating the efficacy measurement of the drug. As a result, Clovis uh, published inflated performance results and used this information then, this faulty information, to raise capital. And uh, Clovis also failed to properly disclose the drug's side effects. So on October 1st, 2019, in Ray Clovis Oncology, uh, the Delaware Chancery Court again denied a motion to dismiss, and here was some of the findings that they have. The board received reports containing red flags that management was improperly calculating the efficacy metric of the clinical trials. Uh, The board knew such false information was being submitted to the FDA and used to raise capital in private and public markets. The board was composed of experts in the field of uh, drug investigations, pharmaceuticals, and the board spent hours at meetings discussing the experimental drug and its potential competitor. Despite knowing all of this, the board took no action. The board described, the, the court described the directors as acting, quote, with hands on their ears to muffle the alarms. And, in, and here was an important uh, principle that they cited, that the board must exercise a good faith effort to implement an oversight system which, quote, entails a sensitivity to compliance issues intrinsically critical to the company. And the intrinsically critical here was controls and oversight over the, um, the efficacy met- metric as well as the financial reporting because that's where they fell into trouble. So um, there was also, uh, so I tried to describe sort of the evolving standard here that we're starting to see and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute. Um, but in these contexts of sort of safety and public harm, 
uh, it seems like the court is holding uh, board members more accountable or willing to do that. So take a, let's take a look at Intermarketing Group versus Plains All-American Pipeline. That was a 2020 case. And in 2015, a Plains Pipeline, and uh, Plains is actually one of the largest, if not the largest, pipeline uh, operator in the United States. Uh, a Plains Pipeline ruptured and spilled 3,400 barrels of oil into the Pacific Ocean around Santa Barbara, California. And Plains' revenues fell by approximately 40%. Its stock price dropped by nearly 40%. And the total coastal cleaning effort cost $257 million. Plains was convicted under California state law for various environmental and regulatory offenses. Intermarketing Group, a Plains unit holder, this was a, a publicly traded master limited partnership based in Houston, uh, Intermarketing Group, which was a Plains unit holder, filed a derivative suit seeking damages for the harm to Plains. Now, even though it's not a stock, it was sort of more a unit holder type situation, the court, by analogy, used uh, the Caremark standard and applied it. The court rejected the motions to dismiss, finding that Plains is one of the largest pipeline companies in the country, and there was sufficient evidence for plaintiffs to establish that the board made no good faith effort to implement a board-level pipeline integrity reporting system. The Plains Board failed to discuss or even analyze any pipeline integrity review, and there was no evidence that the Audit Committee ever discussed a pipeline integrity review and reporting system. If anything, uh, what I recall from this case and reading it was there was a criminal case brought against the CEO, and the criminal case uh, against the CEO resulted in some testimony from him at the trial, the criminal trial, where he said that basically we view pipeline integrity as an issue to be handled by the engineers and the board didn't need to get involved, which was obviously damning testimony. We also uh, have to look at the Boeing case now, and the Boeing 737 MAX case, um, as sort of the culmination of this safety type of movement. And in the 737 MAX, uh, as we all know, suffered two major crashes and subsequently were grounded. The Boeing's uh, 737 MAX was grounded for over a year because of a lack of pilot training on the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCAS. The Lion Air crash in October 2018 and the Ethiopian Airlines crash in March of 2019, a total of 357 passengers died. DOJ settled with Boeing for $2.3 billion, and one of the chief technical pilots, Mark Forkner, was recently indicted on six counts of fraud. The court, again, in the Delaware Chancery situation, denied motions to dismiss under Caremark, ruling that mission-critical issues must be rigorously exercised, which involves sensitivity to compliance interest issues intrinsically critical, again, uh, the language used in uh, on, uh, onco the oncology case, Clovis, critical to the company. Boeing's board had no committee charged with direct responsibility to monitor airplane safety, and the board at large was not formally monitoring or discussing safety on a regular basis. Following the Lion Air crash, the board meeting agenda, 
did not include a specific discussion of safety, but instead focused on restoring profits and efficiency. In particular, the court cited board discussions of 737 MAX issues that were, quote, passive invocations of quality and safety that fell short of the rigorous oversight Caremark contemplates, close quote. So we end up, uh, you know, we end up at this sort of evolving standard for Caremark claims where consumer or public safety issues are central to the, commission, the company's mission, the board must dedicate efforts to actively monitoring product or surf, service safety concerns. These cases, like I said, have been focusing on oil spills and environmental damage, drugs and product safety, the cancer drugs, and uh, transportation and airline safety, where innocent uh, consumers are ultimately harmed. And that makes sense. That's the first area I think that Caremark will sort of, or the courts will continue to apply um, a more stringent, uh, you know, sort of standard with regard to application of the Caremark standard to the facts. And uh, we may not see it in so many uh, financial cases where there's restatements or there's uh, errors in the in the reporting. Uh, but you're going to see it first, I think, in these types of cases with um, public harms, uh, where those are the central result of the board's uh, failure to conduct adequate uh, monitoring and oversight. But it's definitely something uh, we'll watch over, keep uh, reporting to you about. Um, so hope everybody is doing uh, great and uh, wish you a great week. And uh, stay in touch, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Tell you.